podcast with Steve Mathis. Welcome to the podcast show. I'm your host, Steve Mathis, as usual. With me on the line is a guy that's uh, fairly entertaining, fairly serious, yet fairly making a lot of noise in the background. And that would be none other than Todd Cooley. Cooley, what's up? Oh, not a whole lot. Just got back from a splendid four-day stay at the uh, Walton uh, National. Caught the ba- back end of the amateur stuff and uh, was there for the pro race. Yeah, sounds sounds like fun. Um, uh, thanks for doing this, bud. I know... Um, you know, I know uh, your time is very busy to you, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the uh, the, the uh, life of an industry-leading uh, guy like me up here in Canada, I'm doing laundry and cooking dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, how was Walton? Uh, it sounds like uh, a monsoon came in. Uh, yeah, it was – Friday was good. Um, it was, you know, typical hot, you know, summer humidity here in southwestern Ontario. And uh, Saturday was a really nice day, but, you know, we kept hearing rain was coming, it was coming, and it came, and it was a, a big, big monsoon on Saturday already. There was a class on the track at the time. I felt so bad for those guys. They were sliding around out there like they were riding on grease glass. Um, and it got so bad that they had to unfortunately cancel the last moto of the MX2 Intermediates, yeah. which would which should have been the last moto. and. Uh, somebody said that they even got them off the gate, and they may have even got a couple laps in. But it, you know, it certainly wasn't a, a fair finish for that class. I mean, well, and it, you know, it's unfortunate. But what are you going to do? Like the track was at the point where it was becoming impassable, and you know, awnings were flying around and easy ups, and you know, the usual, the usual storm, and yeah. they couldn't do you know, do too much about it. And even the last MX1 450 moto on Sunday, the last moto of the year. Last race of the nine round CMRC series canceled. It just it was just too much, huh? Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. I mean they worked really hard on the like when the rain finally stopped on Saturday night, they you know, they did as much as they could. I mean they worked on the track. Um they canceled the first practices Sunday morning to give the track crew more time to be on the track and try to scrape the swap off and they were trying to till it to get some of the water you know down into the drier dirt underneath and i mean they put in a good effort there you know you, you can't fault them it's um, it's just one of those things and that soil is kind of a clay based and once uh, once it gets saturated it's it's really slippery and it's hard to work with and it's real sticky so i like you know they they worked with what they had and i think they did a, a pretty a pretty fine job on the track but yeah. track I mean- was obviously sloppy um the first moto for the uh, MX2 guys was was pretty bad, and then it started to rain right during the moto. Uh-huh. Uh, it seemed that every time the bikes went on the track, it would start to rain. <laughs> Perfect, right? Like, how bad was it if that second MX1 moto had gone off? Like, how bad was it? Running water? I mean, streams? Oh, yeah. Oh, there was the, the um, well, there actually was a point. It was raining, and the winds were probably... I don't know, 60, 70 kilometer an hour winds. Uh, it started to hail at one point. Um, <laughs> Moses appeared. I <laughs> Lightning bolts came out. Moses appeared from the clouds. <laughs> oh, it, trust me. There was a couple of cracks of lightning that went through the sky, and I'd never seen lightning like that in my life. Like, it was going left to right, not up and down in the yeah, sky. Yeah. Like, it was yeah. the craziest thing. Oh, wow. Um, and a tornado actually touched down in uh, a town called Godridge, about 25 minutes from the track. Uh-huh. And like pretty much decimated the city center of this little town 
uh, tore up like a 250-year-old church. In fact, I heard on the news, but coming home today, that one guy has died, and there's about 30-something people injured. Like oh, it wow. was 25 minutes from where thousands of people were, you know, like yeah, yeah, a tornado yeah. touchdown. Wow. So, yeah, it was it was gnarly. And then, yeah, by the the second MX2 moto, uh, those guys, they, they I, anybody who raced and finished that race is a hero in my eyes. Uh-huh. At the at the bottom of the um, the there's a, a big step down for the finish, yeah. and it, it goes down into a ravine. And at the bottom, there was literally I saw a kid walk down there. There was four feet of water at the bottom of that jump. <laughs> yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. I've been there a few times, so. Yeah, oh, so any, any any low spot there, there was literally a river running through it, and it was just nasty. Oh, man. So, kind of a, an unglorious ending for the CMRC Nationals, I'd say. It's too bad. Yeah, you know, it, it, was, it was unfortunate because there was a lot of people there. The amateurs had come off of, uh, you know, a real good week of racing, and everybody seemed pretty charged up. The, they had to move the award ceremonies on Saturday night into the big tent instead of doing it on the, on the usual podium where they do, but whatever, everybody was still having a good time and was pretty amped up for the last big race. We had the, you know, a couple of big names come up from the States. Darren Durham came up. Um, uh, Cornell Nemus came back from Hungary yeah. to do uh, one race with the OTSFF Suzuki team. Uh, that, uh, Julian Bill from, uh, Sweden, Sweden, I think. Switzerland. Who's, Switzerland, yeah, the MX3 world champion. He uh-huh. was there. Um, uh, Kelly Smith came up and yeah. rode for Redemption Racing. Um, uh, Cole Thompson was making his pro debut in the MX1 class. Like, there was a lot of stuff that could have really, really set this, you know, this day apart from, you know, most Waltons. You know, usually everything's yeah. already tied up. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a, everybody just races the last race out and gets ready for the party on Sunday night. But uh, yeah. it, the, the potential was there for it to be a pretty incredible race. I was Yeah, I was bummed because, uh, you know, I follow the series, and it's been sort of getting into uh, hit-repeat mode. But, yeah, with all those names you mentioned, it was really shaping up to be a good race. Like, if it was dry, does, does, does Tyler beat Tyler Medaglia beat Darren Durham? I mean, was it, uh, was it pretty evident that Tyler was a better rider? Um, well, Tyler had the fastest qualifying time by 0.02 of a second or something ridiculously close like uh-huh. that. Um, Durham actually was pitted uh, kind of beside us with us at the Orange Motorsport team. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a deal run through uh, Sean Porter and the guys from the Renegade Fuel um, uh, group down in the south. I, I'm not sure exactly all the details, but we, we just offered him, you know, some you know pressure washers water yeah. support anything he needed you know he had dinner with us on saturday night and uh they were just you know just we were there if they needed anything and uh i i think it would have been good racing yeah. i i would have i think i would have given the edge to to durham mm-hmm. and but it, it would have been close like he he wouldn't have made anybody look like a fool that's for sure between right. uh between the way Tyler uh, was riding, uh, Kevin Benoit, Jeremy, there was, you know, all our usual Canadian front runners were, you know, they were there. Like, there, it wasn't like they were getting mild or anything like that. But, right. uh, no, Durham is definitely a talented dude. And, man, he really, really did a good job of riding that track considering it was so sloppy. And and, uh, and what's your take on Cole Thompson, your bench racing tape, uh, take? How would he have done, you think? Um, well, he led the first MX1 moto for... A uh, couple laps, probably, mm-hmm. before he went down. And I, I'm not sure if his bike drowned out or, or what happened, but he, he had to pull off. But, no, no, that kid is, uh, you, you can tell he's put his time, he puts in his effort. You know, he's got a lot of support from his family. 
and uh, it's a it's a good group of people. I've known uh, I've known you know Justin when he was just a you know a young guy turned a professional, and I remember riding up at their track one time when Cole was still probably like three years old. Uh huh. You know, he, he, I don't even think he'd been on a bike yet, but, uh, no, he, the kid's got talent. I mean, if you're, if you're winning motos down at, uh, at Loretta Lynn's in the, in the States, you've, yeah. uh, you know, you're certainly a legitimate rider. And, so I, and we can take this to the bank. Cole Thompson is a legitimate Canadian. Unlike that trader, Dean Wilson. Yeah, exactly. That <laughs> little funny talking guy that he is. So, so there's somebody no, that Canadians was, can it, 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 It's good. You know, I think Cole's racing up down South that he's got, you know, the confidence he races, well, I mean, he races with guys that are going to be, you know, in a couple of years, they're going to be running near the front of the pack in the, in the U.S. in the lights class and in, in Supercross. So yeah. he rides with, with fast guys. He knows what pressure's like, and he just has that riding style. Like, he never gets excited. He's always in the right spot on the bike. He's so fluid. Like, it's, it's a real, real joy to watch a guy like that ride. And if the second moto had gone off the line, the second MX1 moto, tell you what, Kelly Smith. He's a mutter. I know this firsthand. Well, he would have needed to have a mask and a snorkel on to get through some of the parts of the track. <laughs> yeah. It was, oh, no, that, hey, I, and you know what, it's funny. I've, I've, I live in a pretty uh, fortunate area where I am because I spent a lot of time in Michigan back in the day. And the, the spring fling races, it was Kelly Smith, Jimmy Wilson, Nick Way, um, Tommy Barron. Um, you, you would see the Bigelow brothers. I mean, they were already vets at that point. Yeah. But those Michigan boys... When it got sloppy, it's it was no big deal. They yeah. they uh, rode that slop just as quick as they could dr- ride the dry track most of the time. But, so. Yeah, Kelly, Kelly's got some legitimate mud riding skills. What was he on a Cali or a Yamaha? Uh, he was on a Cali. He was uh, racing for the redemption. redemption uh, yeah, the redemption well, team, Josh Schneider's team. The results say Yamaha, but then when you said redemption, I know they ride Cali, so I couldn't yeah. figure it out. Yeah, it was a it was a number one seventy one, and it had their graphics and everything on it. So I'm assuming, well, I'm I'm pretty sure it was a Cali. I I didn't pay that close of attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Uh, so another year, another Blackfoot uh, sweep. Tyler Medaglia, Colton Fasciati, uh winning the titles, and really Cooley, uh, not really a surprise, huh? No, not really. I mean, you know, you, you watch Colton ride, and the guy's fit, and he's smart. He's, uh, you know, he, he's got enough years under, under his belt to know that you, you don't necessarily need to win all of them. I think he, uh, when I saw him um, race at Gopher, uh, Gorky went out there, and and that that was amazing for me to see Gorky go out after, you know, the injuries it's that not, he had. It's not Gorky, it's Gurky. Oh, Gurky, Gorky, whatever. Gorky so, sounds like, anyway, you know. Gurky. Just, you know. So, yeah, after, after the injuries he had in Supercross this year, to be able to go out and ride that track for two motos, and it was so hot that weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's, uh, that's a big, uh, yeah, that a big hats off to that guy. That might have been a surprise of the year for me, easily topping anything else. That, yeah. I knew Gurky is a sand rider. I've seen him down here enough. He won Southwick, um, and I knew he would give – a a good run at Gopher, but to go one, one. Wow. With his injuries, you know, um, you know, I would have thought a a healthy Matt Gerke would have a problem with Colton. Never mind a banged up, uh, jacked up Matt Gerke, you know, so that especially a wrist, uh, you know, because it was his wrist. I think that was giving the most lagging issues from that big crash that he had. And that track is not somewhere where you're going to want to have a tender wrist. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I rode the, uh, I rode the amateur there on the Saturday and, I mean, it gets rough on the amateur days, and it's as rough as I want to ride a track right. before it becomes not fun. Yeah, and it gets twice as rough 
on the pro day. Yeah. Like you just watch them go around and it's like, it's uh, the, the holes are four or five feet deep. Yeah. No, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's to see guys like that that can roll around the track and, you know, like Kyle Keith, he can bulldoze his way around that track. And, you know, it's, it's just uh, amazing. A good sand rider is, is a, is a, a neat thing to watch. Yeah. You're right about that. Uh, and Tyler Medaglia really, it looked like, Looked like there was many races where he didn't get the starts he needed or fell down or whatever, but he would blitz through the pack anyways and sort of a class above everybody else, I'd say, huh? Yeah, you know, and there's another guy that's fun to watch. Him, him and his brother, are they just ride. They're, they're always in attack mode. Yeah. Like you watch Tyler from the minute the flag drops for the first practice, it's like wide open and let's go. There's, there's no, there's no, let's take a couple laps to warm up. It's like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to kill it from the second I get on the track. Right. And, uh, super, super talented guy. And from what I heard, um, his baby was born while, uh, he was at Walton. I, and I, I you know what, I'm, I should have dug a little deeper into that, but either Saturday no, or believe, Sunday, uh, right. baby yeah. Medegli was born. Yeah, I think you're right. So, yeah. So, and I, I know it was a little premature, but from what I'm understanding, everything seems to be okay, which is a good thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so congratulations to him and Heidi for sure. Um, now, uh, what else? What, what, what else? Teddy Mayer did about what we thought he would do. Dusty Klatt did about what we thought he would do. Kyle Keese did about what we thought he would do. Um, and in the, in the lights class, I would say maybe Benoit stepped it up a little bit, but pretty predictable summer in Canadian racing, huh? Yeah, maybe uh, Jeremy, was, maybe your old rider uh, Jeremy Medaglia wasn't as good as I thought he would be. Um, you know, I think he had just kind of one of those goofy years. He, uh-huh. he had some bad luck, maybe a couple little crashes here or there. Yeah, he told me I he had know some... he had one motor failure out west someplace. Yeah. Um, but you know, then he shows up at his home track at Sandley and goes one one, and says, "Hey, guess what? I can still ride my bike." Right. Um, you know, and, and like you said, I worked with uh, Jeremy for the five East races last year, and probably one of the best riders I ever worked for. The kid showed up. He'd done his work during the week. He was prepared. You didn't have to chase him to make sure he had his goggles ready. You know, it wasn't, hey, Jeremy, get ready, you know, get dressed. Your moto's in 10 minutes. He showed up to the track. His mom and dad would swing by and say hi a couple times through the day, but he was at work. Mm-hmm. He didn't want a bunch of people hanging around. He had his routine. You know, his music goes on at this point. He wears his, his um, you know, his headphones to the, to, the, to the line. And we had our little routine. And I had the earplugs in my pocket for him. And it was, it was really, really nice. He's so organized. Like he's a true professional. Comes from a great family, but just a great guy to work with as a mechanic. You know, he, he, he was good with the fans, like the little kids. You know, he was always making time for them. And, mm-hmm. But a g- great rider. And I think he's definitely got his best years ahead of him. I, th- I think is as he you know matures more as a racer and um, maybe not next year but the year after if he jumps up to a 450 he'll uh, he'll go pretty good. Are you uh, you yourself, Cooley? Are you done being a mechanic? Yes, I think so. <laughs> I think you, you, <laughs> you know, yeah, Hang on, let's let's rephrase. I wouldn't consider myself a mechanic, but okay. I, I'm done being a parts changer. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, you know what? I loved it, and I had a lot of fun doing it, and a lot of really, really great experiences, and the people that you meet, and the places you know that you get to go. But it's uh, and in Canada, I'm just like about ninety eight percent of the other you know mechanics. Mm-hmm. We all have real jobs. Yeah. 
we take our vacation time to go and work another job. Uh, you know, not like I'm looking for a purple star here or something. No, but, no, uh, yeah, yeah. But it, it is what it is, right? And, you know, I get into the point where I got stuff I want to do around my house. I want to go out and use the boat that I have that for a couple summers never touched the water. Um, there's just other, other things that, you know, family obligations, you know, you, you, you get cut out of the will if you miss your mom's 70th birthday party, apparently. So, you know, it's just stuff like that. Um, and I, I just, I hate being tied to the bike for the whole day on race day. There's chicks to talk to. There's would be, yes, yes, there's definitely, uh, you know, uh, team business that needs to be done too. you know, marketing and, uh, you know, that sort of thing that needs to be taken care of as well. Um, yeah, you know, I, I get the sense, although you liked Jeremy, you were pretty miserable last year for the five rounds. Maybe not miserable, but you weren't having as much fun as you once did. Well, you know what, and it's it's not that I didn't have as much fun because our team is probably about the funnest place you're going to be in the pits that are still going to be legitimate contenders. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, – it's, it's the fact that you don't – get out from under the tent except for when you're in the mechanics area right. to see the five seconds of the, the track that your rider is on right. that when he goes by you and then disappears. And I mean, we're fortunate enough to have radio communication. So I know what's going on, but it's, it's a long day. It's a lot of work. You don't get to see any of the racing. The you pain, don't pain. really get to see a lot of people, you know, and a lot of your good friends are there, but you, you don't really have five minutes to, to, to go visit them until the end of the day. Well, then at that point, everybody wants to get packed up and get out of there and go have a shower and dinner. So, yeah. um, I'm, I, I like to be the, uh, the, uh, the all around guy, I guess. And that's what I did for, uh, for so, Sturt this year at uh, Gopher. And then again, this weekend at Walton, Social and, uh, he, it kind of takes some of the heat off his back. If I can pick up some of the loose ends. Right. Yeah. A little social butterfly, Cooley. Well, yeah, I kind of like that too. But uh, I, I got the team shirt on, right? So, yeah, yeah, that's all that you know, counts. At least that way, you feel like you feel like part of the part of the you know part of the part of the crew. Right. Hey, um, uh, is Blackfoot coming back? Do we know? Um. Well, you know, I've I've heard well, we through rumor mill, so don't but, quote me on this. But I've heard that their semi is for sale. Yeah. Um. I've heard that they are trying to put something together for next year. Right. I mean, what's you know, what level of involvement would be, I'm not sure. I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm assuming if they're selling their semi, it would be something on a little more scaled-down level. Wow. So you think that, that, I mean, obviously we're just speculating, but you think that uh, they're really going to cut back a bit, huh? Yamaha, they only had a one-year deal with Yamaha, from what I understand. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know what? It, it is what it is. You, you can't, uh, in, the, in the words of the great Joe Skid, you can't pay bills with smiles and good attention. you got to have cash money. And... You know their their budget. It's it's not a it's not a secret that their budget has been getting trimmed uh, every year, probably yeah. for about the last four or five years. So you know, uh, oh, sorry, I was I was talking to Dean Thompson about this. Uh, he works at Blackfoot. This was about six months ago, eight months ago, and uh, I told him, you know, you guys do almost too good of a job. <clears throat> and he's like, "What do you mean?" And I said, "Well, for one, you go out there, you win everything in Canada almost every year." Um, whether it was Honda before or Yamaha now, the manufacturer looks at you guys dominating. You see, there's if you don't dominate, there's always that carrot. The sponsors go, well, we want to win. We want to win. We want to win. But when you go out there and not only win but you dominate, then the sponsors look around and go, wait a minute. 
this racing stuff isn't really helping our bottom line. Because, you know, there's, al- there's always that old debate, right? Does, it, does winning sell motorcycles and sell parts? And, and, you know, generally no, but we never really know for sure. Well, with Blackfoot, with the way they're dominating, it, you can see for sure what you're doing because there's no place to go that's better than what they do. They win almost every single race, both classes. And my point was to Dean was that uh, you guys did almost too good of a job, and now everybody's looking to go elsewhere because, you know, they've already achieved the mountaintop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and especially if it's a, you know, you get a, a well, just take Red Bull, for instance. Like, they win with Blackfoot since they got on board with Blackfoot. So mm-hmm. how much more money do they really need to put into wow. Canadian motocross? Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm not saying that they're a bad company, but like you say, the marketing dollar, you need to penetrate different markets and new markets. So if you've already put your fingerprint on the motocross market for, for right now, then, hey, let's try something else. Yeah. And in five or six years, maybe we'll swing back around and we'll do a little dance with the motocross guys again. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, they, they, do, they do run a great program. And I think that's why you like to joke a little bit about them with their little shades down. And they did have them down this weekend, but it was raining. So well, we're, we raining, can't make fun I'm, of them for I'm that. I'm okay with that. It's, um, when it's, uh, it's when it's plus 25 and the pits are f- filled with fans that I have a little bit yeah. of an issue with it. Yeah, yeah. I know what, I know what you're saying. But uh, they, they take it serious. They're there. It's a business where, like I say, a lot of us are weekend quarterback types or posers, as we've been called by some. Um <laughs> It's uh, they're there. That's their living. I do it because I enjoy it. Because um, you know, I get a free T-shirt and a can of contact cleaner to take home, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I do it because I I love to do it. I'm I'm not getting rich doing it, and I, and that's fine. Um, I get treated really really well by the people I work for, and I, I can't complain. It's uh, it, it's a great time. But if that's your only job, if you don't win. Then the questions are, well, why didn't we win? Do we need to change out this guy? Do we need to get a new motor builder? Do we need to find a new chassis guy? Uh, you know, now everybody's kind of walking on eggshells because, well, we didn't win both championships this year. Why is that? Yeah, we but- had a couple mechanical failures this year. Why is that? Do we need to replace somebody or get something new put in place so that this doesn't happen again? And that is, I think, why those guys are always so serious. They work at it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I had to laugh, though. I've been asked, you know, and I don't want to get too much into this. This isn't the idea of the podcast, but one of the, somebody at Blackfoot one time told me, hey, Mathis, you know how it is at this level. You know how serious you got to take it. And I was thinking to myself, well, actually, I've been on a team that won the Supercross Championship. I've been on the team that had three probably of the six best riders in the world in Ferry, Reed, and Villeman, and we never took it this serious at all. <laughs> I, I just found it funny, you know what I mean? Like that, and that was always my, my beef with those guys, was just like, hey, guys, relax a little bit, you know? But, hey, whatever. The, 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 the bottom line is uh, they win, and they may be cutting back next year, and it's a shame, but I do understand it in a way. That's sort of what I was getting at there. Yeah. No, <laughs> and I, I worked for them with, uh, for one year. You did, and, uh, you did, yeah. Was, was was fortunate enough to uh, to spin wrenches on Randy Blades uh, CR125, which was the last two-stroke to ever win a Canadian national championship. And, by the way, and Randy Blades' only title, which we bring up every and, time I see yes. him, which I bring up every yeah. time I see him. 
Yes, yes. So no, it was it was a great learning experience. Um, you know, Andrew McLean, Joe's kid, Tony Tonelli was there at the time, who's a, a local Ontario motor builder. In fact, I saw him on the weekend. Uh, a lot of years of racing experience, uh, engine and suspension building experience. And like I said, I came in there, I can take a bike apart and put a bike together. I can make it shiny. I can grease what needs to be greased. I can make it so bolts don't fall out. But those guys are true mechanics. They're tuners. They, you know, they know if I do this to the, you know, it's going to change this. I, I don't know that. I mean, I can adjust suspension based off of, you know, some common sense and getting a little help here and there from whoever our suspension guy is of, you know, of, of whatever season. But th- those guys are true mechanics. I mean, the stuff that you did at Yamaha with all the dyno testing, I mean, that's, that's stuff I would love to do, but never had an opportunity. So I'm not going to sit here and say, well, yeah, I was the, the, the only man that made Randy Blade's CR125 go fast enough to win a championship because that would be a big load of bullshit. So, you know, um, I kept the bike together every weekend and I was happy with that. I was proud of myself. Randy was happy and proud. I mean, the, the, it was a team effort for sure. What, uh, for those who are listening that may not know, what other riders and teams have you worked for? Just recap your, um, your deal a little bit. Well, it, 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 it's kind of funny because I, I started where most, most guys aspire to get. It was, it was kind of a backwards deal, but it, uh, it was weird how it happened. I started actually helping out. I was the, uh, the uh, unofficial pit bitch for the Planet Honda team that was based out of Michigan that JSR rode for mm-hmm. in 99 and 2000. Yep. So I went and just, they covered my expenses. I went along and did anything and everything I could to help out. Um, how'd you, how'd you get that deal? I got to know guys really well. I mean, I got to know JSR. Um, how'd, you, uh, how'd you get that deal? How did it ever come about? Well, it was, it was just crazy. It was a rainy, crappy Saturday, and me and my buddy, we rolled over to Detroit because uh, Metro Power Sports, which was the base of the Planet Honda race team, was having an open house. And they were going to have the race rig there and the racers and this and that and blah, blah, blah. So we went over, and while well, JSR was there to do the, you know, do the promotion stuff, and so we got talking with him and, you know, realized that, you know, we were Canadians. And so kind of made, made some contact with him, and we, you know, would go, we went and saw him at the Detroit Supercross or, you know, back when it was still in Pontiac. And so we kind of kept in touch, and um, I got to know his mechanic, Jimmy, really well. And uh, so, yeah, I went along to a couple outdoor nationals just to kind of hang out. And, well, I can't really sit on my hands too long before I get bored. So I just, you know, washed this, washed that, helped out. And that, that's how it kind of started. I did some, some races in 99. I did some probably five or six in 2000. And then uh, in 2001, I did, uh, I think, eight of the outdoor nationals. So, oh, you did, huh? I don't uh, remember got that. Got involved. Yeah, and in one. Randy came on, Randy Blade, he came on for probably the last six nationals to ride for the team, and that's how I got to know him really well. Um, and then the next year, uh, me and a couple other guys here were trying to put a team together to bring Randy up to do the East races. Well, that didn't, you know, as usual, you, you get all excited and the hopes go high, but, the, you know, the money's not there to do it. So I helped broker the deal or I was the contact between Blackfoot and Randy. So in exchange for me doing that, I got to come on as his mechanic. Well, then we went out to Calgary for testing, and then they wanted me to work on the East Coast or the West Coast. Originally, it was supposed to be Turbo Reef, but in typical Turbo fashion, he broke his leg two weeks before. So then they brought up um, Tiger Lacey and Chris Wheeler to, oh, to ride yeah. the West. Yep. 
So I, I worked on the West for Wheeler for the first race, and that's the race where he crashed and broke his neck. Probably one of the worst days of my life. But, um, yeah, and then I did the rest of the West with Tiger, and then I did East with Randy. Oh, okay. And, and then uh, did we ever talk at all when you were for Planet Honda? Did, did, we, did you? I was at KTM. No, did you know? Yeah, was... you were. Yeah, we, I think we had the, oh, hey, you're Canadian, you're Canadian chat maybe yeah, a couple yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, yeah. it, it was, uh, you know, you were you, know, you were a big big dog factory guy over huh. at KTM. You wouldn't talk to, you know, us little satellite no, teams. you're absolutely right. I wouldn't have. But if I'd known you were yeah. Canadian, I, I would have had that that exact conversation like, hey, cool. <laughs> so I'm from Winnipeg. Yeah. Hey, cool. I'm from Windsor. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm from Ontario. Okay, well, I guess we, we weren't neighbors at any time, so I'll see you later. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah. so then after that, you went to Blackfoot, and then what after that? You lasted a year so there, Black, you won a title. And then... uh, yeah, Blackfoot, and, and Why'd then you leave? Randy, Why'd you leave and myself. Blackfoot? Well, Randy got, uh, and it, 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 as funny as it was, because the last race at Walton, when he won the championship, was surrounded with controversy, because Chris Morgan from the Morgan Racing Suzuki team protested us because his rider um Derek Fisher. Fisher yeah yeah Derek Fisher was in second and you know it just can't go easy let the guys race somebody wins somebody gets second and it's all good there was a protest and blah 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 well we ended up winning it because I'm sure there were some political underhanded doings going on but whatever we typical, won't get into that typical Canadian so, moto Oh yeah, good old Canadian well, motocross for that. And I mean, a little bit so like we, a little bit political, and then also too just bullshit, uh, bullshit um, uh, uh, protest. Oh yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. It's like, come on, guys. It's like if if we're gonna get boned out of five positions here, we're taking our bat, we're taking our ball, and we're going somewhere else to race. And then it's well. I had somebody that saw somebody whose buddy's cousin's dog walker saw that guy jump on a yellow flag. Yeah. Um, and and one of my very close friends saw the whole thing happen. He goes, I don't get paid by anybody, but this is what happened. And it was it was a total flagger issue. Yeah. You know, it was a flagger who didn't really know what they were doing, and they got put into a bad spot. And unfortunately, there was a whole bunch of BS that chased it up that affected a whole bunch of people and teams. And you know, tempers were flaring, and you know. Oh, so it was pretty anyway. dramatic. Oh, oh, it was. It came down to Randy had to pass um, Danny. Beckick or Beckington, Danny Beckington, another Michigan guy. He had to pass him in the second moto of the day in order to win. Uh-huh. And he passed him in the last corner and it was a wheel length that he beat him by. Oh wow. Yeah, it came it was and we didn't even know right at the beginning because you know they just wanted to get the, the turmoil and the drama, you know, sag on a little longer. So it was probably about five or ten minutes before the official decision was made on what position Randy finished, which then determined who won the championship. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so what happened so, you know, the, after, it, after all this, the next year, Randy and myself and the number one plate all go to Suzuki to Chris Morgan's team, funny enough. And Derek Fisher takes his spot at Blackfoot. And uh, so, yeah, so for 04, it was with the Morgan racing Suzuki team. And that was the first year of that Yamaha, or no, no, sorry, the Kawasaki Suzuki, uh, yeah. um, abortion. Uh, yeah, that 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 right. bike, that two fifty four stroke. Yeah, yeah, that was that was probably um, one of the most frustrating times that I've ever spent working on a motorcycle in my life. Yeah. And Randy broke his wrist really badly in a 
in a spring race in Michigan. And honestly, looking back at it now, he shouldn't have even raced the Canadian Nationals that year. Uh-huh. It was it was so bad. I mean, I know the way that kid rode, and I know how hard he trained. And I mean, he was he was a legitimate contender, but he just couldn't hang on to the bike. There was no did, did there was no two ways about it. He did you he not want to did you not want to stay at Blackfoot, or were you just like, hey, me and Randy made sweet magic? Um, no, and I remember I made the call uh, to Joe, and I said, well, look, Randy just called me. And obviously, you guys aren't resigning him. He's asked me if I would go with him to Morgan Racing, and I said I want to ask you right now if you guys want to want me back with you, or if I'm free to go, or you know what the situation was. Mm-hmm. And Joe, being the politically correct guy that he is, he says, "You know what? I can't make any guarantees to you right now." He goes, "If you have an opportunity to go with Randy." He goes, I would rather see you at the show under a different tent than not see you at the show at all. And I was like, okay, thank you very much. Uh-huh. And I went with Randy. Right, right, okay. But, you know, and like I said, I had a really good time with the Blackwood guys, but um, I was also kind of on vacation when I was doing that. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm a pretty social guy, and I can work <laughs> and visit at the same time. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't need to you know, put on the uh, the silence cap and stick my head in the bike and not look up for eight hours at a time. Like, yeah. I can get my stuff done and and still have a fair amount of uh, entertainment in my day. And that I don't think necessarily fit in with the Blackfoot um, uh, creed. Right. You know, you didn't mesh with them. Which is fine. Right. You know, it, it, that's okay. If that's the way they want to run their show, uh, then that's fine. Did you, and, uh, uh, so you went on to Chris Morgan? The next year, yeah. Did you get paid? Yeah, and did you get paid? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I got paid everything I was owed. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, the bike was junk, yep. for lack of a better word. Randy was hurt. Uh, Randy was Randy was hurt, and the bike was junk. Uh, we had these works forks, and I'm 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 humping air quotes right here as I say works. Yeah. Um, they were about good for 15 minutes before the the fork seals would start leaking. Oh yeah, uh, nice. You couldn't get through a whole moto with those forks not seeping oil, mm-hmm. unless maybe that was some tuning tactic. As you got more tired and you wanted them softer, <laughs> x amount of drops of oil yeah, would leak it. out per lap. That's it. But uh, anyways, so we finally by Moncton, we we got Randy's uh, Kiaba stuff that uh, he had from Michigan that Matt Crown did. So once we got that on the bike, we cured our suspension issues. Well, then we got to the second last round in Quebec. So it was, uh, we had three weekends on the first motor. It was time to set uh, a fresh motor in for the last two races. And from then on, that bike, it seemed like every time I started it, I had to change the motor. (laughs) uh, Well, you you know those things, the the valve trains on them were terrible. Um, And and if you took a a stock one, you would have been lucky to get 10 hours out of it before it needed valves. And then you start, you know, putting cams in it. Overheating too. Monkeying with that. And uh, so what what was happening was the, the cams, were seizing in the cam journals in the top of the head. Uh-huh. And on those bikes, in order to fix the cam journals, it meant you took the head and threw it away, and then you used the new head. Well, then that meant you had to get that new head ported and everything that goes along with it. So they were trying to clean up the the journals. problems in the cam journals, and it just was a nonstop mess. And <laughs> at Walton, it took us, Three motors on Saturday before we got Randy qualified. It blew up in practice. Uh-huh. 
uh, or no, pardon me, it blew up in his qualifier. So we went back, we changed it. And with the second motor, I'm like, all right, we get the thing bolted in, fired it up. It ran for eight seconds on the stand and it coughed. So we put a third motor in it for the day. I was bolting parts to the bike as we were pushing it to the line for the last chance qualifier. And that was the last motor that we had. So we had no options as far as if it blew up, it blew up. We were riding the cooler on Sunday, which at that point I would have been very happy to do. Yeah, that would have been fun. Yeah, it would have been a lot better because Coors Light was our main sponsor that year, and there was plenty of that kicking around. So. Yeah. So, anyways, we got through. We got through Saturday. We got them qualified, and then Sunday, I said, "Just go easy on this thing in practice." Um, and on the last lap of the second moto, he all of a sudden got a hot right foot, and there was um, there was a, a little g- gimmick on there where if the water pump pump seal let loose, there was a little hole that would let the coolant yeah. go out out of the case so yeah. you knew that you it was knew gone it was coming. yeah they, so all bikes have it, it yeah. was yeah it was it was pissing hot coolant onto his right foot uh-huh so he rotor 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 across the finish line and i i kind of caught up with him halfway back to the pits and he he just goes hey look and he takes his right foot away so i can see the stuff the, the the coolant coming out of it and i just started to laugh i washed it I closed my toolbox, and that was the end of that dream. So. <laughs> also, too, those bikes, anytime you added horsepower, they got hot and overheated. That was oh, yeah. another oh, yeah. Oh, and then we had some, oh, just some magical engineering involved. We had one larger radiator on it on the one side, and then in order to get equal flow to both sides, we had this little goofy nut that I would put in the rad hose to restrict the coolant going to one side so it would force it to go to the other <laughs> which never really made a lot of sound sense to me, but hey, whatever. I was a parts changer. That's what I was told to do. Yeah. And uh, you know, but whatever. It was uh, it was a year I would prefer to uh, forget. Although I did meet some really great guys that I work with. Yeah. Uh, Craig Decker was on the team that year. Yeah. He was still riding a 252 stroke, and uh, no, there were some there were some good guys on the team. I'm, I I don't want to I don't want to slam them, but uh, yeah, let's just say that you know Chris Morgan and I really could never come to any great agreement on. On, on a lot of things in life. So. Yeah, well, I don't think you were the only guy. Um, no. Uh, after that, what happened? What'd you, what'd you then, do? 05, I went to uh, KTM, and oh. I worked for Pierce Chamberlain on the oh. East Coast. Forgot that was about the year that, that the, the KTM uh, 250F came out. Yeah. So that was, a, that was a good learning experience. And that was the first time I'd ever played uh, with a real four-stroke and first time I'd ever worked on a KTM. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a big, big new learning curve, and uh, it, it was good. We had a good time that year. Uh, the only bummer was Chris Whitcraft, a kid out of Ohio. We had four, four racers out of a fun mover. Oh wow! So figured that one out, and uh, so that was only for two races because Chris crashed at uh, which which one of the Quebec tracks was it? Doesn't really matter. He crashed and broke his leg, so we were down to three. We had Pierce. We had Matt Barnes and Michael Willard, oh, and yeah, yeah. that was the year Willard won his first Canadian national championship. So that okay. that was really good. First, a first year team, um, working out of uh, you know basically a family station wagon, uh, and we we won the championship. So that was that was really cool. Um, Chris Matt Barnes forgot about that guy. He was uh, yeah. he was pretty good. He, he was decent. Oh yeah, he was a, he was a solid rider. He was one of those guys that it seemed right when he was getting to like a, a new level of speed, he'd have like a gnarly get off and break something. Right, right. 
like he just never was healthy, you know, long enough after he found that new that new kind of burst of speed. Mm-hmm. But super, super good guy. Well, you know, and the Willards, they're great people. I I, I saw Kip and uh, and Cheryl, Michael's parents, this weekend. Just th- th- you talk about a a, a middle class, humble, solid motocross family. You you don't find people too much better than the Willards. Mm-hmm. And how was Willard this year? Ninth overall, eighth overall, something like that. Yeah, he. I I think he had better years. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had he had better ideas of what was going to happen. But like you said, the 350 may not be the hot ticket uh, for a pro level racer. Wow, we've seen it down here. I think. Yeah, I believe. I, and, you, know? you know, I've ridden one, and I uh, they're an amazing bike. For 90 percent of the guys that are going to buy a motorcycle, that 350 is probably one of the best all-around bikes you can you can get it's got a ton of power it's still a little easier to ride than a 450 you don't got to be quite as on it as the 250f although you know you hear a guy like short says oh i gotta rev it more and this and that that's 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 andrew short talking that's not you know todd cooley talking that's going to go out and ride the motocross track one week and play in the woods the next i think too many people put too much um faith in their ability to ride a bike uh-huh. I don't know too many of my buddies that own 450s really need 450s. Because if they were to go out and ride a 250F, they would find they could go faster, longer, and be more consistent than rumbling around on a 450 and going really quick for two laps and then, you know, getting dragged around by the thing for the next five. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I just don't think uh, – I, I, Michael's a great rider, and he's another one of those guys that's just got such a, a smooth way to go around the track, and he's really good at line selection. Uh, yeah, I just, I just don't know if he was having a little bit of a, a bummer year with luck or, or what the deal was. Right. But, yeah, he, he didn't seem to be his usual self. Let's put it that way. Right, right. Okay, so back to you. Uh, what after that, after 05? So 05, 06, I went back to um, KTM, and I started with uh, Johnny Montez on the East, and then I worked for Eric Nye. That was the year that we did two East races, moved everything to the West, and then came back to the East, which never really made logistics sense to me, but I wasn't the one making the schedule. Uh, yeah, so we we did. I did two East Coast races with Montez, went out, and I only did three with Nye because the first West Coast race was at, I think, Nanaimo. And um, logistically, it was pretty tight, and uh, I, I don't know if the budget wasn't there, which I'm probably sure it was. Uh, there was a, a couple funny rumors floating around why I didn't go to Nanaimo, but uh, the truth of it is that Andy had a guy out there yeah. that uh, he called a mechanic, which um, I wouldn't go as far to call him a mechanic. I wouldn't call him a parts changer. I don't know what I don't know what you would call him. But uh-huh. um, yeah, so he worked for Eric for the first Nanaimo race, which was a mutter. So I showed up and worked for Eric for uh, Calgary, and then um, Regina probably. Reg- Regina, and what was the third one? Morden, Gunthal, whatever. Oh yeah, Morden. Yeah, it was Regina, Morden, and Calgary that I worked with uh, Eric Nye. Um, or no, well, yeah, it was Nye. God, I, there's so many guys on those teams, I keep forgetting. Yeah, so it was Nye. And then when I went back east, I worked for Ian Hayden because that was the year we had the KTM factory team and also the um, Royal Distributing team, which had Marco Dubay 
and Ian Hayden out of that tent because Royal wanted these guys at the track on KTMs, but, you know, gear sponsors and all that other political stuff yeah. didn't allow them to be under the, 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 yeah. the you know, KTM and proper this tent. This whole time so, you're talking to me and you're telling us you have another job, right? You have a full-time real-life job. Oh, yeah. 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 So, you know, I would I would take my my vacation around the races, and, of course, my boss just loved it in about, you know, May when I'd walk in with my paper with all the days off that I wanted and says, oh, so it doesn't look like I'm going anywhere on a Friday or a Monday again this summer. And I'm like, well, you can. It just means that both of us will be gone. <laughs> so, uh, no, I was pretty fortunate. I work at a company called Morton Industrial in Windsor, and we do, like, big industrial hydraulic stuff, like hydraulic pneumatic systems, mm-hmm. a lot to do with the automotive industry. So uh, I was uh, I was in the, the design end of it at the time. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a pretty cool place. I've seen some really neat stuff and had my fingers in building a lot of cars and trucks and it's uh, it's a big process that not a lot of people understand, but uh, we've done stuff for Jaguar, um, most of the H2, H3 Hummer stuff, uh, Dodge pickups, GM pickups, Ford pickups, um, you mm-hmm. name it, we've done it. Actually, we we just did some uh, BMW and Mercedes stuff too. Um, favorite rider of yours to work with? Is there is there one? Um, you know what? I've had some really good guys. Uh, Chris Wheeler and I. Uh, we got along really well right from the start, and I, I would bet, um, you know, the, the, the house on him. Had he not crashed and hurt himself, he would have won the West Coast Championship in 03 without a doubt. Uh, Evan Lothridge eventually ended up winning it, and Evan, is a, you know, he was, he was a great rider, but Wheeler had everybody covered from the first practice to the first qualifier at, um, you know, uh, Mission. what the heck is that track? Mission. Mission at Mission, he he just he had it going on. He rode that bike. It never. I, I could have just wired the throttle wide open. Like it just never came off full sing. He just rode that bike so well, and he was head and shoulders above everybody else. That you know that weekend, and the confidence. He was in good shape. He really liked the way the bike handled. Like he was. It, it was his to lose, and unfortunately. You know, he he did lose it and he hurt himself, but he's still still kicking today and he's still riding and you know we we still keep in touch every once in a while. Yeah, Suzuki off road team manager right now. So um, oh oh he did he did take that job. Okay, because yeah. the last time we talked, he was he was vying for a promotion at work. He didn't want to jinx it and tell me, but oh yeah 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 um, that's what it is. But no, he was good. I mean, Randy Randy and I have been friends for a long time, and I mean we did win a championship together, and we we still you know talk. You know, a, a bunch of times a year. So he's a good one. Uh, again, Jeremy Medeglia, He's he's a, just a he's a great rider. Um, you know, we didn't form like a real close friendship bond, uh-huh. but uh, you know, we're buddies and we still talk whenever we see each other and stuff. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's a it's a tough call. It's a tough call to make. Like as far as you know, a favorite that is is a favorite because you and him are really good friends. Um, you know, I you I would have, say Randy. You don't have a uh, Tim favorite. Ferry. What's that? You don't have a Tim Ferry. I do not have a Tim Ferry. No, I do. I do not have not, a Tim Ferry. Not un- all unfortunately. of us can. Yeah, not all of us can be that lucky, Cooley. No, no. That hey, you know what? There's there's one true love in the world for everybody, Thank and you. yours was Timmy. Thank you. Thank you. So, and and Angie's a close second, right? Uh, I don't know about how close. Yeah. How, how close? But but second, a solid second place. A solid second, sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, with Wendell, with she, she Wendell Clark. Green card. With Wendell Clark nipping on her heels. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. And wasn't there some other hockey player that you were really uh, into? No. You you saw him at a restaurant and you couldn't even talk? Hmm. No, I did talk to Doug Gilmore, though, for like 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, hour. it was him. But yeah. your wife, when, I, when she told me the story in Toronto a couple of years ago, you really weren't talking English when you were talking to him. Well, I was a little tipsy, and I was trying to hold it together. And I guess I wasn't. Yeah. You know how when you're drunk and you're like, well, you, with you it would be a chick. With me it was Gilmore. But you're like, hey, I got to seem like I know what I'm doing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Oh, with, with, well, first of all, you know, I'm, I'm not much of a drinker. And second of all, you know, I'm, I'm pretty shy. I don't really talk to girls that much. Right. Yeah, good point. You're right. Um, so, uh, Cooley, so what What are we doing about motocross nations? We're not going. Um, uh, oh, we aren't? No. Okay. Canada. Uh, not going. I don't know. What, what, what are we supposed to do? Is it is it uh, is it frustrating for you as a Canadian moto fan? Uh, it, it used to be. <laughs> you know, as as I get older, I find things that used to like drive me to the point where I I want to mm-hmm. you know shoot a, a a kitten with a shotgun. Right. Um, now I just don't care. Like I'm a huge huge believer and lover of the motocross the nations. I will never call it the motocross of nations because that's wrong. Um, I've, I loved that race since I was a kid when the U.S. guys first won it, when there was, what, Chuck Sun, Johnny O, Donnie Hansen, and Daniel Laporte. Yeah. Was that, like, 83? 81. 81, right. And then the next year, I think it was four Honda guys again. Yep. 82, that was when Magoo won all four motos. Yep. Johnny O. Because that was, yep. that, that was uh, the, the Trophy of the Nations. And yeah. Yeah, did, did they call it the Motocross Nations? There was the a Motocross Nations and a Trophy Nations. There was two races. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, oh no, that 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 race has always been a huge, huge favorite of mine. And obviously, you know, the U.S. was a powerhouse ever since. But oh, for God's sake, like, can we not just get our shit together and figure out how to do this already? Right. We got the CMA who's sending people, and we got the CMRC who's really in charge of moto in this country. And we got the teams and riders back in the CMRC, sort of. They don't want to spend their own money, which I can understand. It's just a cluster. Right. Okay, first of all, the CMA is a little behind the times. You know? <laughs> yes. I, yes. Try, I try to be a positive guy, but you also know, like, let's call a spade a spade. The, the lady who is running that thing, when I was like 13 years old and I joined Erie Ramblers Motorcycle Club here in Wheatley, Ontario, my first CMA-sanctioned race that I ever raced in, my dad and I were trying to figure out this tech thing and all that other crap because we didn't know any better. And I knew at that point, knowing nothing about motocross racing, that the CMA was unorganized and their white outfits were terrible. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, you know, and I don't want to bash on them because they've done a lot of good things, I guess, for the motorcycle industry and the motorcyclists of Canada over the years. But every once in a while, you got to hit the flush button and you got to dump the old wood and yeah. you got to get young people in there that have got a vision. And I mean vision as in, like, they can see past the end of their nose and then see into the future of where the sport needs to go. Yeah. Um, and the political bullshit that goes on is enough to make you want to scream. Um, because CMA has the FIM affiliates. The CMRC can't really put too much into the, you know, the, into the... Put too much. Effort put of the any, Nations. Put any effort in. But, 
put any effort in. But I mean, being being devil devil's advocate here, why would they? If mm-hmm. the FIM doesn't want to recognize them as motocross in Canada, then what do they care about helping the team? Now, on the flip side, I'll go back to the way I like to look at it. CMRC has got to look at it like this. Fans of the sport in Canada don't care about our four letters versus their three letters in our name. They want to see our best team go to the race. They want to see them there with proper equipment, proper support, and they want them to have a fighting chance. Now, saying that, every guy that has ever gone for our country to race that race, I have the utmost respect and my utmost support. But I buy my $20 T-shirt, and I've made my donation. I mean, really, what, what more can you do? It, it's got to be figured out from the top. It's got to be organized, and they need money. Like Blackfoot last year was scorned on the Internet because – well, why wouldn't they just send the rig down? A lot of people don't understand how much work is involved in simply getting that truck across the border, let alone putting three or $4,000 worth of diesel fuel in it, having a guy drive it, flying everybody in. And why would Blackfoot lend their half a million dollar semi with all of their equipment in it to other people? Well, no, I think the, uh, the I mean, I see what you're saying, but the only way they, they do this is if Klatt and Fasciati are on the team. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and I heard a number. Blackfoot was approached last year, and they said they were to ask, how much does it cost to make this rig, your three guys, and your bikes and everything get down there to do it? That number was given from Blackfoot to the organizers of Team Canada. They were pretty much laughed at and said that's way too much. So they went down to the let's rent a minivan and buy three boxes of donuts, and we're going to call it a team. Yeah. So, hey, Keith and Benoit and Jeremy did a killer job down there last year, without a doubt. But could we have sent better? Not as far as riders, but could we have given those guys better support? Could they have maybe gotten a little better something here or there? Or, hey, you're going to Colorado. Now it's a testing issue. You've got to have different fuel and you've got to have, you know, it's, there's so much involved in it. You can't just show up in a pickup anymore. Yeah. So I, I, I honestly don't know. Hey, if I win the lottery, if I win the 50 mil, we're going to send the best team every year and I will pay for it myself. There we go. Stamp it. There, there you go. Stamp it. When I win that, when I when I pick those magic numbers, it, we're, the, the team's going on me. Team Cooley, Cooley Canada. Canada. No, I, you know what? I don't care if anybody even knew I was the one who did it. I would just send. Uh, no, actually, I wouldn't send a check to somebody because I would actually I would want to see where the money would go. But anyway, <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> no, it's it's a tough thing, man. And I uh, and I know there were some people. Uh, you know, online last year, shit-talking the three boys that we sent and said, oh, we, you know, sent in Canada's B team. And, well, most of us knew who that chick is. And, yeah, well, and you know my opinion on her. So we'll, uh, we'll just leave it at that. We want to keep about? this a positive and upbeat thing. I wouldn't want anybody to think I'm an asshole or anything. What are you talking about? What chick? <laughs> Remember at Montreal Supercross when we were doing the, the podcast? No. What? No. What were you Remember, there was that little that little paper that I wrote and stuck on the on the on the wall. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh. that one. That oh, one. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, one <laughs> one of our Canadian moto luminaries. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, or as Kenny, Kenny uh, Kent Watson would say, luminaries. Yeah, exactly, right? Uh, I do remember now. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's you, know, certain... you, you just hear stuff like that, and it's like, right. yeah, maybe you should just shut up. <laughs> anyway, let, let, let's not go there. We could do a whole podcast on that, too. Yeah, no. Can, I, can, Canada's largest motocross embarrassment. Well, I don't know if she would be that high, to be honest. Well, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot. Yeah. but Well, she could be one of Canada's largest motocross pin cushions. <laughs> Um, anyways, let, let's let's change the subject. Hey, okay, so here we go. I'm going to get my ass off the off the burner here. I uh, I didn't see your uh, pretty little face at any Canadian Nationals this year. How come? You usually either make Moncton or Sandlee yeah. or Walton. I've I've gone to a couple, few years in a row now, and, and you know I just just tired of it, Cooley. Tired of it. I, I just I I I'm almost almost kind of thrown in the towel on Canadian Moto. You know. I got, you know, Kyle Carruthers bought DMX, and he used to work at the other media mogul, and they've really been jacking him around with advertisers and other people in the industry. And it's like, it's like they want the kid to fail, and they want the site to fail, but they can't even see with their own eyes, and they, meaning, you know, six or seven people that are in the industry, they can't even see with their own eyes that, that, that the content that DMX produces on Canadian moto far outshines anything they do. But because the kid isn't in the click, because DMX isn't in the click, they must destroy them. They must, they must plant false rumors. They must send out emails that are wrong. And it's like, and you know, I was editor of DMX before Kyle came along and, um, I just, you know how you said you get older Cooley and you don't get as upset anymore. Yeah. I get older, and I'm starting to not care as much. Yeah, do you know? Exactly. And, and, I, and I, I I'm, I'm there's uh, six or seven people that just backslap each other, tell each other how awesome they are. Were you going to say douchebags? How awesome their series is! <laughs> how incredible everything is! You do you see any of these people at a U.S. national or at a, a Grand Prix? Do you see them spending money out of their own pocket like I did to go to Belgium a month ago to go see a GP? You, you know, it's just one big incestual relationship between the media and the series and the teams. And there's this little company called, website called DMX trying to do right and do good with a bunch of people that are working for not enough money, as you know, Cooley. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you do help out inside motocross magazine and, and all they do is really, all they do is get shit on. There's a, a you know, there once was a video show from racer X Canada and then that was done on the other side, on the, on the, on the media side of the CMRC series. Then there was a, a, a radio webcast from the races. Soon that was taken over and done on the other media outlets series. You mean you mean the the uh, the the webcast that was born and came from the loins of the uh, Pink Palace, the MX Forum? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's. So here's the point. Here's the point. I, I'm just. I'm almost throwing in the towel. Do you know what I mean? It just. I've seen some of the emails that go on, and I've heard some of the shit that goes on. 
and it just it just frustrates me. And when I was the editor, I was getting emails from advertisers who were who were passing on emails from the official from from MXP. Let's put it out there from MXP, who was owned fifty percent by Mark Stallybrass, who runs the CMRC. And I was seeing emails that said, "Hey, why are you advertising with them? Uh, they're going out of business. Hey, why are you advertising with them? They." You know, they don't help you like we can help you. We can help you with the series. It's like they just want to crush everything, you know, that that isn't their own. And it's just I'm just I'm tired, Cooley. I'm tired. Well, I guess, you know, in in a backhanded joking sort of way, isn't intimidation intimidation? Isn't uh, somebody somebody using your idea the greatest form of flattery? Imitation is a you know, serious form of flattery, right? Yeah. 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 yeah maybe imitation so. is, yeah. yeah, yeah maybe not so. in, intimidation. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, you I, know, I, I just, I, yeah. I could, I could, I could talk on that. And again, the only, the only problem is I, I was privy to a lot of the same things that you're talking about. And it's, you, you just get to that point where you're balled up and you just want to put it all together in one big happy memo and click everybody in your email list yeah. that is related to the industry and hit send. But you know what the problem is? Is that everything is so politically driven. The only person that would end up getting shit on in the deal is you. Yeah. That's the problem. I mean, don't because you, don't you want to grow your series? Does, does the CMRC really think that – getting rid of direct motocross or making their life difficult do they really think that getting rid of that is a positive for their series in any way shape or form they can't can they i don't I, i've never understood that don't you want as a series owner promoter marketing person don't you want as much media coverage as you can possibly get i, I would like, think so w- why do you want so. to lock other media sources out why does, of your races? Why does Monster Energy, at the at the urging of MXP, tell Kyle Carruthers and Billy Rainford from MX Forum that they're not welcome to eat underneath their hospitality tent? What good is that? It's not. It's not any good. And what I don't like is when. And I'm not. I'm not going to like say specifically monster just monster in this case but i've seen it down in when i was at the u.s nationals and i've seen it in other places in the canadian nationals and in other other places besides just national motocross but why is it that some banner bitch marketing guy that comes from is as the representative of one of these sponsors starts walking under team trucks and making demands and ordering team staff that you can't do this and you can't do that and no move this logo here move that there okay you're a sponsor if you have concerns you go to the team owner and you say this is what i didn't like can we do something about it but when you get these and it's that whole bro down thing that you are so fond of it's the little clicks that form that people who, if you're a sponsor of the series, you looked at the proposal that was put in front of you, you wrote your check, and there you go. 
Now you let the professionals, and I use that little air quote <laughs> thing again, take your money and your signage and put it where it needs to be at the track. But when you've got somebody that is a sponsor of the series that is at the races every weekend, flexing their little muscle and making other people's lives miserable and painting their company in a bad light, is that really doing the company any favors? And, uh, uh, yeah, you know, the, the whole saying that uh, fl- let's get the sea high so that it floats everybody's boats mm-hmm. instead of just floating your own doesn't seem to apply. And I'm just tired of it. I Just tired of it, Cooley, you know? Okay, so, so next year, let's, let's do a quick check. We've, we'll have a KTM semi. We'll have the OTSF semi. And I'm just speculating. I'm just saying this because I haven't heard that they're not coming back. Right. So we have KTM, OTSFF, Leading Edge. I've heard Billy Whitley is trying to do something to come back, and he was ser- seriously missed this year. If there, on a side note, if there is ever a gentleman in the sport of motocross that I would have loved to work for, it is him. Um, but he may or may not be back, right? So, um, the uh, Moffin Buyer stepped up this year and brought their rig to the track. So, you know, we need stuff like that. So we're now, we're losing the Blackfoot rig, so they're gone. I mean, I, or, you know, I'm not 100% sure they're gone, but good chance is they're not coming back at that high of a level. So when it gets to the point where there's not enough money in it for the teams to be there, there's not enough money in it for the riders to be there, Am I going to be the next MX2 national champ working out of the back of my CRV? Maybe. Because nobody cares, and my winning bonus is going to be $63 and a <laughs> uh, pack of coupons to go to Tim Hortons? Yeah, like, may- maybe. I, I, don't, I don't know. Where's the vision? Like my, that's my question. Where is the vision? Do you, you need riders in your series to attract other riders so that you have good racing. Well, one thing for sure, let's try to kill the other, the only media outlet. Let's try to discourage people from advertising with them. Let's try to blackball them. Let's try to make their lives miserable. Let's get rid of the only media outlet that really covers the series. That's that's step number one. Yeah, in promo- and in really my does series. a good job of it. That's yeah. the thing. You know, there was a uh, Racer X Canada was not allowed to sell subscriptions at the races, and that put a big ding in their bottom line. And they were not even given a chance to bid for it because the CMRC owns half of the competitor, and, mm-hmm. and that was it. And certainly, you as a magazine guy inside Moto, you've you've come across some things like this. So you guys are bi-monthly and sort of just doing your own thing there. But yeah, I, and I think we've kind of gone in a different direction like that. We're we're more about covering the rider than the series. I mean, because why 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 not go out and get the rider out there, and whatever. We all know what series everybody rides, but let's find out who this guy is or who this girl is, and let's get some information. Let's give them some exposure and some exposure for their sponsors and not really worry too terribly much about the series. You think you've seen – have you seen anything on Canadian Moto in Transworld Motocross last year when I worked there or Racer X this year now that I work back at Racer X? Have you seen anything? No. no, no, because I haven't pitched it to them because I haven't cared enough to get the riders and teams' exposures. Yeah, I haven't been into it enough. I feel like 
like you said, you're getting older. You're just not caring as much. I'm getting older. Starting to throw in the towel a little bit. This podcast went someplace where I didn't really know it was going to go, but but it, but it went there anyways. So well, you know, okay, and 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 I've I've been there's I took two years off I guess from being a mechanic because I guess I'd pissed off enough people that. You know, they they didn't want to hire me, and I was okay with that. I actually got called a prima donna once by one of my team managers because I asked him for a garbage pail and good paper towel. Ah, some people. Oh, you've worked at Blackfoot. Jeez, you're a prima donna. <laughs> okay. So I duct taped a black plastic garbage bag to the end of my table, and that was just such an unsightly-looking thing, and I loved it. Next week, I had a garbage pail, and I had my paper towel. You know, yeah, well, I'm for, so for, hard me, to please. for me, I'm not going to do the garbage bag because I'm just over it. I don't even care. I'll just throw my yeah, stuff on the yeah. floor now at this point, you yeah. know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so, I, I mean, I've been involved in the Canadian part of it since 03. I've been involved in, you know, the amateur level stuff. I, I'm a member at one of our local clubs here in Wheatley, um, you know, a 50-year-plus motorcycle club called Erie Ramblers. We promoted races. Actually, we used to promote AMA races. That's how long this club has been around. But anyway, so we did a provincial down here, and we did a damn good job of it, and I was one of the guys that was involved in making that all happen. So I've seen it from a racer, from a promoter, from a mechanic, a team guy. I've, I've, I've been fortunate enough, and, and that's the thing. I always consider myself fortunate for all the experiences that I've had because a lot of people don't get that. They're a racer or they're a fan or they're a promoter, like they don't see it from all angles. And I've been lucky to do that. Now, I love motocross, and Canadian motocross to me is still um, more of a family-driven thing. Like this morning when we left Walton, everybody was trying to get pulled out of the mud from all the rain we had. It was, you know, the Allisons, um, PJ Stratton and his, his crew were flying out this morning, and... Um, the Moffin buyers were making the, the long trek home. So these people dedicate their whole lives to follow that series. For what? I mean, they're not making money. It's costing them thousands and thousands of dollars every year to do it. And when do they get to the point where they're like, hey, we're not doing this anymore. Right. We, we barely get enough support to cover our bikes and parts. Nobody's paying for our fuel to go back and forth across the country. Nobody's paying for our meals, any flights that we need to take. Because guess what? Mr. Allison needs to get home to do work on their farm. Like, he's got things that he has to do, so he needs to fly back and forth three or four times during the, ser- the series. They're not getting covered off by anybody for that. Right. So at what point did they just all look at each other and said, hey, let's race local, have a good time, and, and forget about it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're... They're legitimately talented kids, yeah. and with some more support, who knows where they could go. But there's no money in it for them. They're, they're not winning any substantial money from the series. Um, it, it all I mean, hey, it all revolves around money, and if the riders aren't making any, they're not going to be coming back. They're slowly going to start falling off. And there's not enough good amateur riders in the pipeline that are willing or have the means to be able to chase a series where they're paying for everything themselves. We're going to see more people do Wilson, Cole Thompson type of stuff, I think. If you have any yeah. sort of future or and any sort of money or family backing, you're heading south and not even bothering. And, and, I, and I hate to say it because I almost feel like I'm a traitor as a Canadian for saying it. I've had people ask me, 
what is the next step I need to take with my little Johnny to get him into the pro ranks? I go, go, get your passports, pack up the fun van, and head south of the border. Yeah. Go to Michigan, go race District 14. And I see a lot of intermediates in Canada that think they're the shit because, oh, I win the intermediate class. Go to the U.S., go to Michigan, go race the B class there. If yeah. you get top 15, you're going to be lucky. Yeah. Really, really lucky. I mean, unless you're an exceptional intermediate rider in Canada, you go down and race the B class, yeah, your, your ass, ass is going to come home freshly waxed. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's well frustrating. Said. I know. I love the sport and I love the people. And that was the thing. Last night, it's the annual end, you know, end of the year party at Walton on the Sunday night. Everybody hangs out, has some drinks, listens to the music, laughs, yells, and screams. And it was just, it was fun. But that's the reason I go because of the people. Like, do I need to spend five weekends of my summer away? I mean, and I didn't do it this year because I had other stuff I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But when. Like, you know, and I, and I alluded to the beginning. I started at Blackfoot. I mean, the best team in Canada. There's, there's no doubt about it. The best team in Canadian motocross history is Blackfoot. Those guys have put a ton of money and a ton of effort into it. Um, and then I went to Suzuki, which was probably the worst experience of my life in the motocross <laughs> world. I did some time with KTM, which I had a really good time, learned a lot of stuff. And I've done the last three summers with a certain team at Orange Motorsport. And to me, that was the best fit because it's like I'm part of their family. We sleep in the motorhome. We eat together. We have laughs. We have beers at the end of the day. We work hard, and we get results. So that, to me, is what it's all about. And that sort of element, like that family-oriented feel of the sport is going to slowly drift away because people can't afford to do it. The price is too high. But the big teams are, are leaving, too. Because they, they, they can't afford it. There's no budget for these guys to put a rig on the road. If you don't have a million-dollar budget, and people think I'm an idiot every time I say this, if you don't have a million-dollar budget, I wouldn't even put the key in the tractor of a semi. million bucks, you think? Well, you, you try to find a professional driver that's going to get your rig across the country safely, and you put... How many thousands of liters of fuel through that yeah, thing at a buck something a liter? Rig's two fifty three. Rig is two fifty three hundred right there. Oh yeah, no, no, and I'm I'm just saying if you've already got the rig. Oh. Uh, like if you uh, and I mean insurance on those things is ridiculously shooting, high. I think you're shooting high, but anyways, I got it. Well, you know, but okay, but I, I want a real team. I want I want guys that know what they're doing. I want enough staff. I want bikes that have parts changed on them when they need to be changed. Like if you if you want to do it right, you need a million dollars because you figure if you have three full time mechanics as employees, you got to pay those guys forty to fifty g a year. So let's let's say fifty, and so there's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars out of your million dollar budget right there. You haven't paid a rider a cent yet. Right. So you know whatever. Even if you're only paying your mechanics thirty grand a year, and you got three guys, well. There you go. You now you blow ninety. You need to bring another guy on for the summer for your fourth rider. So you're going to cough up whatever fifteen twenty G for him. I mean, you start adding up. Well, when I worked at Blackfoot, I think the magic number was by the time it was all said and done, every weekend we spent about between twenty five and thirty thousand dollars a weekend. Hmm. You know, you start flying eight, nine, ten guys around, and I was flying out of Windsor, so my plane tickets were typically 
you know, pricey. It's uh, it, it's a it's a thousand dollars a weekend to keep a mechanic on the road. By the time you pay his food, his flight, and his hotel, and you haven't even paid him a salary yet. Right. Yeah. Very very expensive. You're right. And uh, it, it is. And and, and we'll people see. don't get it. Yeah. And and it's not because they're they're dumb. They just a lot of people don't know what's all involved. You know, you can spend sixty dollars or seventy dollars a weekend on ice for coolers. You know. Well. Whatever, whatever, whatever a case is, definitely. I think trying to hinder other media oh, yeah. outlets from covering yeah. your series will be will be. But back to back to our, our original start here. <laughs> you're you're exactly right. Yeah. Like you you need you need the media to, to want to cover your series. You need to treat them with respect. And when you're trying to pull the BS and you're trying to get other advertisers to not deal with them, and you. And it's, it's so hard because, you know, of course, they're going to listen to this and they're going to go, oh, those guys are just bitter or jealous or whatever. No, it has nothing to do with that. Because at the end of the day, I don't give a flying fuck about it because I've got a real job in the real world. Yeah, and I think and, I'm the same way. I've got a media career down here that's doing fine. Right, right. And I do my thing with IMX, and they are great to deal with. I do product testing. I do a technical article. Jeff uh, Morgan that I deal with as my editor is a great guy. We, you know, we spend quite a bit of time together in the year. We ride together, and he, he it's just great. And we've got such a similar opinion on things. Um, yeah, you know what? It might not be motocross action, but who cares? It's a solid Canadian magazine, which I'm sure if they were treated with a proper respect, and I mean, I say this as a contributor to the magazine, and I'm sure somebody is going to send a fucking email, pardon my French, to my boss at the magazine and say, oh, you should fire that guy because he was bad-talking us or bad-talking the series or your employee was, you know, saying things, you know, off the record. It's not. I'm a contributor. And at the end of the day, I do things for them, and they like them. And that's why I've been there for going on three years now. And I I just don't care. I go to work. I make my money somewhere else. I make a little extra money, and I get some great perks out of working for the magazine, and I enjoy the people I work with, so that's what I worry about. I'd rather get on my bike and go do a cross-country race any day now over going to a motocross race. Yeah. I go, I unload, I ride for two hours, I load up, and I go home. End of story. Yeah. Well said, man. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap this up before either one of us yeah. starts throwing things or uh, breaking <laughs> things. Um, no, no, no. no there, 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 I'm to the point now where I, yeah, just, right. I don't care enough right. anymore. I, I care about those that are important to me. The rest of them, they want to talk shit. It's it's okay. I, I don't care. I've had so many people come up and say things about me that is is so untrue. Hey, you know what? I, I have a good time. I'm a loud personality. I got a big mouth, but I'm usually a big mouth and being funny about it. Yeah, I get a little crude every once in a while. Hey, I like women. Is there something wrong with that? I don't think so. But it's so funny how people who live in even thinner glass houses than I do are all throwing rocks like there's you know like a, a quarry. It, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's really funny. And you know, one thing I want to touch on because this is something that this is one thing that I laugh at and it makes me mad all the time. You see so many dedicated mothers, wives, girlfriends sisters at the motocross races that do whatever they can to help their riders out. 
and I know some of the best motocross moms in the world. You, 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 you'll, never go, you'll never go hungry. You'd always have a place to sleep, and they are just the sweetest ladies ever. But then you get the track rats, <laughs> these little bimbos that run around, and I guess maybe it's like class progression. They start at a junior rider, and then they see how far up the pro podium they can go. And they have big mouths, and they say things that they shouldn't because they're talking about things they know nothing about. A rider's girlfriend does not need to talk to a mechanic about something that she doesn't know anything about. Don't talk to him about tires. Don't talk to him about setup. Just let him do his job. If your rider is riding shitty, don't blame the mechanic because guess what? Your rider is going to fall off my bike a lot more often than something mechanical is going to fall off my bike. Right, right. And if, you know, and don't go talking about other people when you're kind of not doing the best stuff yourself. You know, this guy's dating this girl, but yet she's running around and trying to get on these other guys. And girls, if I can give you one good piece of advice, (laughs) you know those little dirty pictures you take when your top's down or your bottoms are down? And you send them to that guy that you're trying to snag? Uh, uh, this podcast is getting into a strange and weird place right now, Cooley. <laughs> but what, what I'm trying to explain is, is the minute that that picture hits your new favorite rider's phone. Or it's hitting everybody, inbox, everybody in the pits. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It has now gone out to about 50 more people. And so two days from now, there's 5,000 guys that have your pictures. And guess what? Some important people in the industry have your pictures. Are you giving so, Are you giving any specific examples? This would be a cool story if you want to share. Do you want me to send you the pictures? No. Nah. <laughs> See, because sometimes you know, terrible guys like me, yes, end up with this stuff. Right. Terrible As a people. single guy, I can go and do what or you know whatever I want. It's not a big deal. But if you're a rider with a girlfriend you probably shouldn't be running around trying to get into other girls. If you're a girl that's got a rider for a boyfriend, you might not want to be sending naked pictures to other riders. You know, it's just kind of a common sense thing. But the problem is, at the end of the day, these pictures get around, and, hey, I got enough friends in in, in the business, and I know enough riders that are my buddies. They always land in my email inbox. So if I hear of a certain somebody opening their mouth and talking shit about me, to my team owner, whoever it may be, all I got to do is go, hmm, I got about 350 people on this email list, and I can take the nude picture, and I can put it with the picture that shows the face and go, hey, guess who I got, and go click. Cooley, please don't send those photos of me dressed in that bear suit. No, I will not. No, there will be no, no pictures of you floating. I thank deleted you. all those. Oh, thank you. But you know, what, the, you know what I'm are, saying? If you go the... to the races, go have a good time. Yeah. I hear you. But, but don't try to ruin somebody else's career or somebody else's opportunity. Dude, this sounds a lot like you you have a specific example and something happened or are you just saying this. <laughs> oh no, I've got specific examples. Something from Walton and this I, weekend or something in the past? Oh no, from from stuff from years gone by right oh, up to like okay. within the last couple weeks. Okay, all right. You know, and it and it is it's an awesome thing to have because I I enjoy people's uh, opinions on me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a cut-and-dry guy. Like, if, if I'm your friend, I'm your friend. If you want to be an asshole to me, then why would I go out of my way to be nice to you? 
If you think I'm a dick, I don't care. I've got my friends. I've got my crew of guys and and girls that I run with, and and that's okay with that. I'm fine with that. But, and and it gets around. Like, if you're going to talk crap about me, I'm going to find out. (laughs) And more than likely, I'm going to say something that's not very nice back. Then don't walk up to me and go, oh, I heard you're talking shit. Well, dude, you started it. Or, honey, you need to think about your you know, actions around the racetrack and maybe not worry so much about what other people are doing and who you are doing. Words so, of wisdom from Todd Cooley, everybody. Hey, hey you know, I'm just, I, hey, it, uh, hey, look, it's a spade. It's not an upside down, somewhat you. dark white heart. It, right. It's a spade. Gotcha. Um, thanks, buddy, for doing this. Appreciate it. Hey, uh, no, no problem. Um, no problem. Let's try to do it again sometime. And uh, Yeah. And uh, I hope you're doing well. And I, I don't know when I'll see you next, but uh, I'll see you well, somewhere. I'm thinking Monster Cup. You got a, you got a free uh, couch? Uh, yeah, always. Always got a free couch here. So. All right. Sounds, sounds good. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about coming down and seeing that because I think it's going to be a really good race. Okay. Sounds good, buddy. Well, hey, thanks a lot, Todd Cooley, for coming on. And uh, uh, thank you for coming on the DMX podcast. And we will talk soon. Okay. Thanks, bud. See, see ya. Bye.